mission trip to Honduras with two purposes in mind. To build a house and to share the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. And the privilege we had was to work at building a house for a family that's a member of the church. I didn't get to do much work on the house because I was with the pastor and with the missionary going visiting to the families in the church. So every day we were out sharing the gospel. And the joy and privilege of sharing the gospel is a blessing I can't describe to you what joy I have in telling people about Jesus. We went to a multitude of houses in different church fields where the pastors were the members in his congregation that we visited. But we also visited people around the house that were not members of the church and didn't go anywhere. And so we, we had a good time sharing the gospel with them. One thing I would say to you is that all the members who went on that mission trip were changed. Let me say it clearly. We understood and saw firsthand that there people do so much with so little. And the change in our lives was we recognized that we do so little with so much. And that perspective changes everything. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be required. So we need to be diligent, stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I'll share a little bit later, but I want to share it multiple times so you'll hear me. I put a big box out in the foyer so we can put in some items and ship it to the missionary. They have a store where they sell items and make money to use in the mission. So if you'd like to donate things, just put them in that big box out there in the foyer. I'll list the things in a little bit. The experiences that we had transformed our thinking. One of the things that impacted me greatly was going to a hospital and visiting with the people in the hospital. 
hospital was one big, long, rectangular-shaped room with beds up against the wall all the way around the room. I think there were 24 beds in that one room. And we split up and went around in teams to every one of those houses, those beds, and visited and witnessed to all the people over there in the hospital. One of those men recognized missionary Aston. Seven years before that, Aston had shared the gospel with him in a military situation. He was teaching in a military institute where he was training. And he shared the gospel. But he didn't receive Jesus. He heard it, but he didn't believe it. The reason he was in the hospital is because he had gotten shot. The person who shot him put a bullet through his leg, went up through his corso, came out into his arm, and the bullet was still in his arm. And I said to him, do you realize how much God loves you? That he didn't kill you with that bullet? And right there, he began to sh surrender. And Aston led him to the Lord and prayed and received Jesus on the spot. I'm telling you, there are people everywhere in our paths that need Jesus. So what I want to say is one word. I want to challenge you to pray for a divine appointment this week where your path and lost person's path intersect and at that juncture where they meet with you and that person is a divine appointment. And you get to share Jesus with them. Will you do that? Think about it. Pray about it and ask God to give you a divine appointment. I believe that that experience in Honduras made me focus on the crisis and the need for discipleship here in Diamond Hill Baptist Church. We need to train disciples. Jesus said for us to make disciples. So, if you're not being becoming a disciple, I want you to think about committing yourselves to learning how to be a disciple. Grow, mature, follow. Let Jesus be Lord in your life. When I'm talking about the hospital, I was impacted greatly with Reverend Donald.
Reverend Donald serves his hospital as a chaplain, and he has no salary at all, none. Church, we could help Reverend Donald financially. And part of the decision I think has already been made is that we had some money left over from the trip. And I think that that commitment was to help Reverend Donald with his need. Is that correct? Correct. Thank you. Good. Reverend Donald has been serving there several years, and he's doing a great job witnessing to these people in the hospital. One of the things that changed me was I love to see recently asking to uh, make people uncomfortable in their squirming when they were asked to pray in public for maybe sometime for the first time or to give their testimony before a strange crowd. I know that Michelle got to give her testimony before that hospital crew outdoors and she did a great job and I looked at Aston and he said and then he had a kind of a smile on his face and he said I know she's not comfortable and he just grinned and said that's part of her growing cutting edge church we need to get out of our comfort zone that's what God was saying to me while I was there in Honduras. If we aren't comfortable, God's going to make us uncomfortable. And the way he will do that is make us bold witnesses in situations that we don't know how to do but by God's grace, what we need to do is pray, witness, share, teach, and tell the good news. And when we do, the Holy Spirit will take over and people's lives will be changed. You can witness to the grocery store clerk. You can witness in your restaurant to the waitress or waiter. You can witness at school. You can witness wherever you go, at the service station. Somewhere, somebody needs you. And you need to share the gospel because they all need Jesus. There's a need for missions right here at home. I mean, it's okay for us to go halfway around the world and tell somebody about Jesus. But we validate what we do over there by what we do right here. We need to witness and share the gospel right here as well as over there. It's not either or, it's both and. Now, let me share some of the needs. If you want to write them down, it'll be good. They need women's clothing, that is, for summer clothing, not 
not winter clothing. This is winter time here, so they need summertime clothing down there. Aston Ashworth, like new tennis shoes or flip-flops. They use tennis shoes and flip-flops to walk because the people walk everywhere, wherever they go. They don't have cars. They also need nail polish and makeup. So ladies, if you can do makeup or nail polish, put them in the box back there in the foyer. Men, they need men's pants and men's shirts. So if you can donate pants and shirts, we can fill a box and send it off to them. I told you earlier that uh, in the last Sunday night that we had uh, a church that didn't have a cross. So this past week, we shipped a box with a cross in it. What I had made in my wood shop, and they're going to put it on the front of the church. And we shipped also tennis shoes and, oh, by the way, Aston loves uh, Nutter Butters. And I had some in my backpack that I took. And when I found out he liked them, I gave him a pack. And he wolfed on them like a bear. Just, he wolfed on them, I'm telling you. And he said, that brings me back to my childhood. He said, I had to have that one since I was a little boy. They couldn't get them over there. So in this box that we sent a couple weeks ago, I put two, two packs of them. He's gonna have something to eat on. He's gonna make himself sick if he eats all those at the same time. Anyway, we had a good time. So, they also like hats. I mean, if you like, if you can give caps or hats, that'd be good. Especially one with big brim so that they will protect from the sun. I gotta tell you this story. Something happened to me on the return trip that I never had happened before in my life. Matt and I changed seats. I was, Matt was scheduled to, to sit on the aisle, and I was scheduled to sit next to the window on the other side. So Matt said, we'll change seats, which we did. I sat on the aisle. And he sat next to the window so he could sleep. Good thing he changed, I'm telling you. Because I'm afraid the Lord lead me to somebody that needs me that you know, I could witness to and talk to on the, on the airplane. All the way back to Miami, 
This lady and her daughter were in the window seat, the middle seat, and I was in the aisle. She was, when we hit some turbulence, she started to panic. I thought she was going to have a panic attack. She was shaking like a leaf in a hailstorm. She was <sighs> breathing hard and everything. She grabbed my left knee that I just had replaced and gripped it so hard I thought she was going to crush my knee. She grabbed my knee and just gripped onto it. I mean, she latched onto it like a bulldog. And I reached over and grabbed her hand off my knee and pulled it up. And I put my hand in her hand and we held that. I said, calm down, it's going to be all right. I said, breathe deeply. She was, she was breathing. I said, we need to pray. And right there on the plane, I prayed with this lady. She calmed down. We landed safely. She was so thankful and so grateful. Man, I thank you for changing seats with me so I can have that experience of talking to this lady. She was a Catholic, but she said she knew the Lord. I said, well, then trust him to take care of you when you don't have a way to take care of yourself. He will take care of you. And then I shared some scriptures with her. And we talked, and she was okay then. Now, I've got lots of more stories that we on during visits and everything, but I just one one more story. Ashley and Aston's dad, Gary, and his wife Debbie, sponsor a girl. For years they've been sponsoring her, but they never met her. So while we were there, Gary wanted to meet her. What happened was, we didn't know, but she lived way on top of the mountain. So we drove up there as far as we could go, and guess what? They were poor. I mean, poor. So they asked if we could bring them some food. I went to the store and we bought $200 worth of groceries and carried, I didn't know it. we had to carry it up the mountain to their house. So the girls and the men carried the food and we got up there to their house. The husband and the father and the mother and the sister of this girl were there. And I shared with you that the, when we started sharing the gospel with them, they're not believers. There were some roosters in the hens out about 100 yards away, and they were crowing like crazy, but they were 100 yards away. When it came time to make decisions, asked to ask them in Spanish, would you right now 
What do you think, Jesus? What do you think, Jesus? What do you think? We're round around the family asking that question. And when they did, those roosters came right within five yards of us and started crowing their heads off. I mean, that you couldn't hear yourself think. They were crowing, ah, ah. they were crowing and crowing and crowing. And I said, what in the world? God, what would you do? Shut those roosters up. I'm telling you, Gary was afraid of the same thing, and in, in 10 seconds, those roosters quit growing completely just shut it down. God shut those roosters up so that those people could trust Jesus as they're saying. Now listen to me carefully. Satan will do everything he can, even he will work through a rooster to prevent people from believing the gospel. So we prayed and they trusted Jesus and we had two hours to share with them about discipleship and growing and reading the word and praying and giving God glory in their lives. I told you my life was changed. We were changed. And I pray that the Lord will use us in this church to help you experience that as well. I want to say it clearly. I want to say it over and over again. Thank you, church. Thank you, church, for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for supporting us and helping us to go and be a part of that wonderful mission experience. And I want to encourage us all to pray diligently for the work and for the mission. We were invited to come back. I had the privilege of preaching on Sunday morning and I shared 10 things. And you know what they did? They wrote those 10 things that I said on a, on a big board. And each one of them said, picked out which, which, which point made them feel like the Lord was speaking to them. 10 things. One of those points was Jesus went to another village and preached the gospel there. All she said, that's why I came forth to preach the gospel. And she said, that's what God was saying to me. We need to take the gospel to our own villages right here in the mountains. Now let's turn to the, to the gospel. Open your Bibles to Luke, uh, to John chapter 10. Verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the gut by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. 
This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he was being saved to them. So, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf scatters them and snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, let's focus on verse 16. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Seven things I want to share with you. Number one, Jesus is the good shepherd. Stop right there. Let that sobering thought sink in. Is Jesus your good shepherd? He said, I am the good shepherd. And if you have never received Jesus as your shepherd, tonight is a perfect time to do that. To just simply say, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd, and I want to follow you in my, my commitment is to follow you and obey you and trust you and receive you as my Lord and Savior. He will become your good shepherd if you'll trust him and believe him and accept him. 
Jesus, number two, is the door of the sheep. Now, the way we all got here tonight is through that door. Jesus is the Lord of heaven and nobody's going to get into heaven if you don't get in through Jesus. By the way, it's not what you know that gets you in, it's who you know that gets you in. Jesus is the good shepherd, but he's also the door of the sheep. And if you know Jesus and he knows you, you get in. If you don't know Jesus and he does not know you, you don't get in. It's that simple. We need Jesus. Third, Jesus laid down his life for us. He said the hard hand sees the wolf coming and he runs away. He's a coward. He does not care about the sheep. But the good shepherd cares about the sheep. He cares about you and me. When you hurt, when you cry, when you grieve, when you're sorrowful, when you have diagnosis by the doctors that you have terminal illness, I'm telling you, Jesus is your good shepherd. Somewhere along in, the, in your lifetime, you're going to need the care of the good shepherd. You're going to need him. I found that I need him every day. Jesus laid down his life for us. Now listen carefully. No one, I mean no one, took his life from him. He laid it down freely because he loves us. He gave himself for our salvation. No man took it from him. As a matter of fact, when they were crucifying him, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The very ones he came to save were crucifying him, and he was praying for them to be forgiven. Number four, Jesus knows his sheep. He knows your name. He knows all about you. He knows what you think. He knows where you go. He knows what you do. He's concerned about what you believe. And he knows everything, every minor detail in your life. Jesus knows his sheep. And he knows them intimately because he cares. You know what the scripture says? He calls them all by name. Think about that. Jesus 
knows your name if you're a believer. Now, number five is most important pertaining to this vision trip. Number five is verse 16. Look at verse 16. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. They will become one fold with one shepherd. We have new brothers and sisters in Honduras because of your faithfulness in sending us, praying for us, and supporting us while we were gone. Some of those people gave their heart to the Lord and truly believed, repented of sin, and asked Jesus to come into their life. I remember sitting under a, a whole bunch of shade trees. It was a hot summer, summer afternoon, and we shared the gospel with probably 15 people in that compound area. As we shared the gospel, some of them believed, others did not. God knows. God does the saving. God does the calling. God does the cleansing. God does the commissioning. And God does the choosing. Did you get that alliteration? God chooses. God calls. God cleanses. And God commissions us to go tell the gospel to other people. He said... Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring with me. Are you one of those that need to come along with Jesus tonight? Number six. Jesus is the shepherd of one fold. He doesn't have multiple folds. He has one fold. You belong to him or you don't belong to him. And if you do, you are part of his fold. Look what it says. I must bring them with me, and I also hear my voice, and they will become one flock, one flock, with one shepherd. Pastors, Sunday school teachers, deacons, elders, we are privileged to be under shepherds, under the good shepherd Jesus. We care, we pray, we teach, we love, we visit, we minister, we do all these things, but we are under shepherds under the care and direction of the good shepherd, Jesus. And Jesus is the good shepherd of one flock. 
think about that. That means every tribe, every national group, every language group, every people group that believes in Jesus are part of that one fold. Do you realize you got brothers and sisters all over the world tonight? I can give you names of people in the Philippines, in Korea, all over the world that are members of this flock. And we are privileged to add additional members to the flock by sharing the gospel with Jesus. Jesus does the saving. Jesus does the calling. He does the cleansing. He does the commissioning. He does everything. It's just that we're privileged as under shepherds to share the message. So church, we need to get busy sharing the message. Don't be lazy. Be committed. One shepherd of one flock. Think about that. Jesus, the one good shepherd, cares for one whole flock. And that flock is scattered all over the world. But one day, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be gathered together. And the Bible says it will be a crowd that will be innumerable. Think about it. You're going to get to see people you never met. But what you prayed for, what you gave mission money to help support, you're going to get to be brothers and sisters that you never knew before. And what a great reunion that's going to be. Even the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. Tonight, would you pray for additional believers to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior this very week. No one took his life. He gave it freely so that we might be saved and we might be a part of his flock. We have the glorious privilege of going to the ends of the earth and telling people about Jesus, sharing the gospel, and telling people the truth. John 8, 32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free.